The old lady had changed her mind about dying, but by then it was too late. She had dug her fingers into the paint and plaster of the nearby wall until most of her fingernails had broken off. Then she had gone for the neck, scrabbling to push the bloodied fingertips up and under the cord. She broke four toes, kicking at the walls. She had tried so hard, shown such a desperate will to live, that it made Harry Bosch wonder what had happened before. Where was that determination and will, and why had it deserted her until after she had put the extension cord noose around her neck and kicked over the chair? Why had it hidden from her? These were not official questions that would be raised in his death report, but they were the things Bosch couldn't avoid thinking about as he sat in his car outside the Splendid Age Retirement Home on Sunset Boulevard, east of the Hollywood Freeway. It was 4.20 p.m. on the first day of the year. Bosch had drawn holiday call-out duty. The day more than half over, and that duty consisted of two suicide runs. One a gunshot, the other the hanging. Both victims were women. In both cases there was evidence of depression and desperation, isolation. New Year's Day was always a big day for suicides. While most people greeted the day with a sense of hope and renewal, there were those who saw it as a good day to die. Some, like the old lady, not realizing their mistake until it was too late. Bosch looked up through the windshield and watched as the latest victim's body, on a wheeled stretcher and covered in a green blanket, was loaded into the coroner's blue van. He saw there was one other occupied stretcher in the van and knew it was from the first suicide a 34-year-old actress who had shot herself while parked at a Hollywood overlook on Mulholland Drive. Bosch and the body crew had followed one case to the other. Bosch's cell phone chirped, and he welcomed the intrusion into his thoughts on small deaths. It was Mankiewicz, the watch sergeant at the Hollywood Division of the Los Angeles Police Department. You finished with that yet? I'm about to clear. Anything? A changed-my-mind suicide. You got something else? Yeah, and I didn't think I should go out on the radio with it. Must be a slow day for the media, getting more what's-happening calls from reporters than I'm getting service calls from citizens. They all want to do something on the first one, the actress on Mulholland. You know, a death of a Hollywood dream story. And they'd probably jump all over this latest call, too. Yeah. What is it? A citizen up in Laurel Canyon on Wonderland. He just called up and said his dog came back from a run in the woods with a bone in its mouth. The guy says it's human, an arm bone from a kid. Bosch almost groaned. There were four or five call-outs like this a year. Hysteria, always followed by simple explanation. Animal bones. Through the windshield, he saluted the two body movers from the coroner's office as they headed to the front doors of the van. I know what you're thinking, Harry. Not another bone run. You've done it a hundred times, and it's always the same thing. Coyote, deer, whatever. But listen, this guy with the dog, he's an M.D., and he says there's no doubt it's a humerus. That's the upper arm bone. He says it's a child, Harry. And then get this. He said... There was silence, while Mankiewicz apparently looked for his notes. Bosch watched the coroner's blue van pull off into traffic. When Mankiewicz came back, he was obviously reading. 
The bone's got a fracture clearly visible just above the medial epicondyle, whatever that is. Bosch's jaw tightened. He felt a slight tickle of electric current go down the back of his neck. That's off my notes. I don't know if I'm saying it right. The point is, this doctor says it was just a kid, Harry. So could you humor us and go check out this humorous? Bosch didn't respond. Sorry. Had to get that in. Yeah, that was funny, Mank. What's the address? Mankiewicz gave it to him and told him he had already dispatched a patrol team. You were right to keep it off the air. Let's try to keep it that way. Mankiewicz said he would. Bosch closed his phone and started the car. He glanced over at the entrance to the retirement home before pulling away from the curb. There was nothing about it that looked splendid to him. The woman who had hung herself in the closet of her tiny bedroom had no next of kin, according to the operators of the home. In death, she would be treated the way she had been in life, left alone and forgotten. Bosch pulled away from the curb and headed toward Laurel Canyon. Chapter 2 Bosch listened to the Lakers game on the car radio while he made his way into the canyon and then up Lookout Mountain to Wonderland Avenue. He wasn't a religious follower of professional basketball, but wanted to get a sense of the situation in case he needed his partner, Jerry Edgar. Bosch was working alone because Edgar had lucked into a pair of choice seats to the game. Bosch had agreed to handle the callouts and to not bother Edgar unless a homicide or something Bosch couldn't handle alone came up. Bosch was alone also because the third member of his team, Kismin Ryder, had been promoted nearly a year earlier to Robbery Homicide Division and still had not been replaced. It was early third quarter and the game with the Trailblazers was tied. While Bosch wasn't a hardcore fan, he knew enough from Edgar's constant talking about the game and begging to be left free of call-out duty that it was an important matchup with one of the Los Angeles team's top rivals. He decided not to page Edgar until he had gotten to the scene and assessed the situation. He turned the radio off when he started losing the AM station in the canyon. The drive up was steep. Laurel Canyon was a cut in the Santa Monica Mountains. The tributary roads ranged up toward the crest of the mountains. Wonderland Avenue dead-ended in a remote spot where the half-million-dollar homes were surrounded by heavily wooded and steep terrain. Bosch instinctively knew that searching for bones in the area would be a logistical nightmare. He pulled to a stop behind a patrol car already at the address Mankiewicz had provided and checked his watch. It was 4.38, and he wrote it down on a fresh page of his legal pad. He figured he had less than an hour of daylight left. A patrol officer he didn't recognize answered his knock. Her nameplate said Brasher. She led him back through the house to a home office where her partner, a cop whom Bosch recognized and knew was named Edgewood, was talking to a white-haired man who sat behind a cluttered desk. There was a shoebox with the top off on the desk. Bosch stepped forward and introduced himself. The white-haired man said he was Dr. Paul Gio, a general practitioner. Leaning forward, Bosch could see that the shoebox contained the bone that had drawn them all together. It was dark brown and looked like a gnarled piece of driftwood. He could also see a dog lying on the floor next to the doctor's desk chair. 
It was a large dog with a yellow coat. So this is it, Bosch said, looking back down into the box. Yes, detective, that's your bone, Guillaume said. And as you can see, he reached to a shelf behind the desk and pulled down a heavy copy of Gray's Anatomy. He opened it to a previously marked spot. Bosch noticed he was wearing latex gloves. The page showed an illustration of a bone, anterior and posterior views. In the corner of the page was a small sketch of a skeleton with the humerus bone of both arms highlighted. The humerus, Guillaume said, tapping the page. And then we have the recovered specimen. He reached into the shoebox and gently lifted the bone. Holding it above the book's illustration, he went through a point-by-point -point comparison. Medial epicondyl, trochlea, greater and lesser tubercle, he said. It's all there. And I was just telling these two officers I know my bones even without the book. This bone is human, detective. There's no doubt. Bosch looked at Guillaume's face. There was a slight quiver, perhaps the first showing of the tremors of Parkinson's. Are you retired, doctor? Yes, but it doesn't mean I don't know a bone when I see... I'm not challenging you, Dr. Guillaume. Bosch tried to smile. You say it is human, I believe it, okay? I'm just trying to get the lay of the land here. You can put that back into the box now if you want. Gio replaced the bone in the shoebox. What's your dog's name? Calamity. Bosch looked down at the dog. It appeared to be sleeping. When she was a pup, she was a lot of trouble. Bosch nodded. So, if you don't mind telling it again, tell me what happened today. Gio reached down and ruffled the dog's collar. The dog looked up at him for a moment and then...